0: Hey, before we get started tonight, guys, I just wanted to mention our online store. I uh, I was working this weekend, and I updated a whole bunch of things. Again, divingpod.itemorder.com. You go on there, and you'll see a lot of updates from the last time. Previously, we only had a t-shirt and a hoodie to choose from. Now, you go on there, you get to pick your logo. So the screen-printed logo, that's got the full front. You can choose a t-shirt, a hoodie, a upgraded tri-blend hoodie from new era there's ladies tees there's youth tees and hoodies or you could choose the embroidered logo and the embroidered logo it's a left crest a little more um, classy a little smaller logo on the front again similar garment mix there's hoodies there's also hats uh, those richardson 112 snapbacks those are a popular one with everybody and then not only is there an embroidered logo but I also created a leather patch logo and that one is super cool. It's in the shape of a diamond. It's obviously got our diving pod logo on it. We can put that on garments if you want. And that is an option on the online store, but also on those Richardson snapback hats. And we can tag that logo either front and center or even off to the side panel. We've been doing that a lot lately, but um, just wanted to give some love to Cowling Robards. That is my family's business. That is where I created this online store and, Just make sure you get over to that store. Again, divingpod.itemorder.com. Enter divepod at checkout. That gets free shipping. Even if you don't order anything and you just want to check out what this online store stuff is and looks like, maybe you have your own club and you want your own garments and your own logo. Let me know. I'm happy to create an online store for you, for your team. And um, we can just kind of work through all of this together and you get to work with me. So I like to think that's a, a nice little perk there. So Make sure you check out our our new updated online store. And uh, with that, we will get to the episode.
1: Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Hans Mahari, head diving coach at Minnesota State Mankato.
2: I'm Heath
0: Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And as
1: always, this podcast is brought to you by
0: Sideline Scout. Make sure you use the link tree in our Instagram bio. Um, Get over to sidelinescout.com. Check out their poolside live package. It's the perfect TiVo replacement. I've seeing tons and tons more of, oh my gosh, TiVo is no longer doing their thing. What's What's the next latest and greatest And Sideline Scout is that answer. It's built by divers, for divers, uh, very easy to use very fun to see the end results of this clipping feature and um, it's just awesome everything about it so get over to sidelinescout.com check out what they have to offer also uh, before we get started here remember diving 101 episode number two of the diving pod uh, that introduces you to the sport the numbers the letters what they mean how to calculate a score so again head over to episode two diving 101 if you want the ins and outs
2: all right. So jumping in here, Hannah's just kind of take us through your journey, your recruiting process, where you are now and how you got there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think I have probably one of the unique kind of background. Um, growing up, I was a soccer player. I've only played soccer and loved it and everything like that. And so then my family, when we were kind of growing up, they wanted me to learn how to swim. Um, so they threw me in the pool, but my main sport was soccer all growing up and everything. And so then it came about I would swim like club uh, recreationally throughout the summer and stuff like that. And then seventh grade is when I joined like the swim team, um, just because like I want to do an extra sport in the winter after soccer season and kind of just stay in shape for soccer and obviously cardio and all that kind of jazz. Um, and then I then realized that swimming was not for me. I could not with my ADHD go back and forth forever um but then at one practice I saw people doing some flips and twists and I'm like yo I think I could do that you know I could definitely learn flips and stuff for soccer like that's my celebration like I need to learn how to do a back flip and and front flip and so I was like I'm gonna do it so I joined my seventh grade year in diving um was not good was not coordinated at all could not learn how to flip twist whatever and so I like finished out the season was just terrible and then I go on and miss eighth grade year because I was like I don't like it I smacked too much that was painful um, I played basketball that year and still kind of continued soccer still did some diving just for fun and stuff and then when I get got back into my freshman year um, one of the seniors that I dealt with when I was a seventh grader brought me back and basically was like hey like it's my senior year we loved having you on the team like like try it one more time like it, it could be for you like you there's some potential and That's after I hit puberty and figured out coordination and everything. Um, And so then joined back my freshman year of high school and basically just carried it all the way into my senior year. Um, And then I had the decision of either going play soccer in college uh, or dive. And I was just kind of feeling burnt out from soccer just because of playing it year round and everything basically was my life with soccer. So then uh, my high school coach swam for Moorhead and was like, hey, have you thought about diving? Like, I know a good program, St. Cloud State, they have men's diving. Um, And I was like, yeah, I've emailed Hegley multiple times, haven't heard a thing, Like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want me. Um, And then she reached out to Hegley or Kayla and next thing I know, Kayla came and watched my section meet at um, St. Cloud Tech. And so, I mean, pretty much had a pretty decent meet, like nothing crazy Um, and, pretty much the story that Kayla tells me why she like let me on the team is she saw my inward one and a half pike was a really good dive. And she's like, I want that dude on the team. I was like, what about my rest of my dive? She's like, you had really good jumps. And that's it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. So one dive got me on to the team pretty much is what she said. Nice. <laughs> so, um and then, so then I went on to St. Cloud state for the last four years from 2015 to 2019 Dove there, had a very um, interesting four years, I would say, like very successful in my eyes now. Um, During being an athlete, I thought it was like not successful at all, but I took a lot of things and a lot of positives out of it. So I really loved my experience at St. Cloud State. Um, Then I went on to get my master's at Mankato State, um, kind of the rival of St. Cloud State, and um, basically went into Buzz's office. That's kind of our head coach's nickname is Buzz we call him, um, went into his office, asked him if I could help out in any shape or form. And he was just like, yeah, just show up at practices, help out, kind of did that my first year of grad school. And then they needed a GA for the second year and he gave me an opportunity and really did really well there, um, building the program from that. And then they offered me a job to stick around kind of after that COVID year and had nothing really lined up and didn't know if I wanted to coach. So he gave me a shot and really trusted me and everything coming with the responsibilities and being able to build up a dive program that wasn't really recognizable. It was very inconsistent there. And so, um, now it's pretty successful. I would say within the last couple of years, being there continually getting divers at nationals and doing really well at the conference level as well, too. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, so just to go back before I ask my next question, um, you know, I was on the team before Hanos arrived at St. Cloud state, and um to say that this kid grew is just an absolute understatement I mean he came in and you know we knew it was a little bit raw but you know I was gone at that point in time but you know you stay close to the programs you care about and you you check in on people every once in a while and I just remember by the time he was junior senior year it was like holy cow not only is he a a lot better but now he's actually a threat to make it to this national meet, which is, you know, it's been such a standard for St. Cloud state for so long, but you realize really quickly how difficult it actually is to get there. And to see Hanos, you know, go from, you know, having one good inward, one and a half to a full amazing 11 dive list to qualify for nationals. I mean, it was super, super cool to see that evolution. So that was what I wanted to make sure that people know is like, bro, you you worked your tail off and you accomplished an entire amount of success and I'm super, super proud of you and you're awesome, brother.
1: Thanks, uh, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no worries. Okay, so you mentioned your success in the college coaching world. You are fresh off the NSIC championship where you were voted diving coach of the year. Now, for some background context, Hanos had five out of eight one-meter finalists, and six out of eight on three-meter. So what does it mean to to receive that honor?
1: It's uh, an amazing one, obviously, because the last four years being there, before me, the dive coach of the year for conference was Kayla. She's been six-time, I think, conference champ title. So to go from being coached from her and then now coaching against her, it's super awesome to have that ability. And then being named that after her is a huge accomplishment because she's the one that taught me everything. I couldn't be where I am without her. Um, And so it's an amazing accomplishment, especially to the women that I work with. They put in their heart and soul into every practice. I know we have a ton of fun and sometimes we bash heads and we don't get along and all that stuff at practices. And we're just the ebbs and flows of season and stuff. but at conference, it all lines up. That's what we work for is at conference meet. And the things that they did this week is is what every coach wants for their athletes. the awesome achievements, hitting the dives that they've been working so hard for. So it was really cool to see everything just pay off for them. I mean, obviously, I don't I mean, I don't do it for the reward of the titles and stuff. I do it for the athletes. I want them to succeed and be, the best version of them in the sport and and outside of the pool as well. So it was awesome to just see it like all fall into place for them.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Aaron told me that just yesterday that you received that award. And I was like, that's awesome because like all year, your girls have just been kicking butt, which I do have a follow-up question before we jump into the next one, you know, coming from St. Cloud where you had men's and women's, what is it like just coaching a women's team?
1: I get that question so much. Um, I think, I think it's very different, obviously, because um, the tendency of having a men's team usually have bigger lists on the men's team. And then that kind of carries in with the women's team. And so coming in, they cut their men's team, I think, back in 2010 or 2011 here at Minnesota State Mankato. Um, And so just coming in with just with a women's team, I didn't know how I was feeling about that. But the more I kind of got into it, I was like, I love this. Like, because I also got the opportunity to coach boys high school um, in Mankato here. And so getting both the boys and girls and stuff, um, I loved coaching both, but I really enjoyed coaching women because it was just so much more um, like rewarding at the end of the day, because with them, I I mean, we put in so much work um, throughout the six months. It's not just physically, we're putting it in mentally as well and just working through all of the barriers and stuff. And it's, it's just amazing to work with them. So I love it. That's awesome.
2: All right. So now we're going to, I think we're going to touch on a uh, interesting subject. I think I know where you fall on this, Uh, Mm -hmm. but heading into division two NCAAs, what are your thoughts on the new qualifying rules requiring an 11 and a six dive score from separate meets?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it's very interesting for sure. Cause obviously there's so many ways to go about it, but if you look at it as a organization of swimming and diving, right. If this happened in the swimming sense, I think, all head coaches, everybody in the swim world would be enraged, right? And so it's an obstacle for sure, but there's ways to like go around it and just have a better ma- mindset as athletes pretty much is like, hey, this is kind of the barrier of going about it, right? We have to do six and 11, doesn't matter what it is, but we have to do it. And I think that's honestly kind of elevated my athletes because mm-hmm. that means every meet matters even more now. For sure. And so like we're getting scores that i didn't think that we would be getting sometimes at some meets because they like sometimes at practices they're not looking the best but then at meets they're like they're kicking ass like they're doing well and so it's like i think it's a good and bad thing obviously yeah um i think it sucks that you only can take one qualification score at one meet yeah i agree with that if you look at swimming they swim so many events at conference, right? That's when they kind of do mid-season conference. They get their B and A cuts and stuff. They're swimming so many events and they get A, Bs, comp or on the 50, 300 or whatever, and that all counts. But then in diving, you're only taking one day, one board. So then at the same time, I think about it. It's like, so should we train our athletes in one board specifically? Because then you get injury prone. Do we compete them one board at one meet and like all that kind of stuff kind of goes through my head because obviously safety is the biggest thing and like i don't want them to get hurt if we'd have to do an extra six or eleven dives if not necessary in a sense but i mean at the same time we're athletes we've got to compete we've got to do what we do so
2: yeah yeah i agree i agree with that completely i think it's just offered some new i like how you said it you're like it's a new barrier but it's like this is the rule so we're just going to move forward and i think it's like I bet you a lot of your athletes really responded well to that because, in I mean, whether you were freaking out behind the scenes to Aaron or to colleagues, to them, you were like, hey, this is just the new role. We're moving forward. We'll work with it. And because you didn't make it a big deal, I bet they didn't make it a big deal. I bet they didn't. I mean, I feel sure there was some extra stress for them, but mm-hmm. I bet overall it was just like, well, coach said this is the way it is. Like, let's go. And yeah, and exactly. You're getting better performances, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. At the beginning of the year, obviously, when we have our first couple meets, everybody's like, you know, really nervous because they're like, Oh, are we going to get the score? How close mm-hmm. are we? Like, where are we at? Yeah. And then kind of as meets kind of went on, they're like, okay, it's no different really. It's just do what we do and not fight for a score. And that's kind of what I tell them is like, don't look at your scores, just dive, like put a six dive list together. Cause the scores will come eventually. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, and I think that speaks probably to how you coach diving too. And like learning a new dive specifically, if you build it up and, and freak them out and, you're nervous in front of them about learning a new dive well then they're going to be way more nervous whereas you know if you're more calm like yep the lead-ups are good you're ready just go Yeah, I feel exactly. like, i feel like that just you know portrays
1: confidence to them and they just go rather than you know building it up yeah exactly i mean yeah. they've got to trust in me and like what i'm telling them and so it it's just shows right there they're like okay hanos believes in me hanos thinks that i can do this i think i can do this too
2: Yeah, I I think it's hilarious. I don't even think I told you this one, Aaron. This young man doesn't listen to the podcast, but he's one of our college divers. And like the coach's attitude makes such a difference. Like during winter training, he had lost his back twisters just because his head was out of alignment. And like he was getting so lost, like it was bad. And I'm like, dude, quit doing that. Fix this. Boom, boom, boom. And like, I think because I was a little more intense about the correction, he was freaking out more. What happened on Thursday on one meter, he did back one and a half, one and a half grade on three meter back one and a half, two and a half grade on three meter comes down, does back one and a half with one and three quarter twist. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? So I was just like, Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. And like the next day he comes in and I, I literally made it a point. I just sat in my chair and I was like, okay, go ahead, go do your dives. And they were all fine. And the one kid, his teammate goes, why aren't you freaking out? I go, I am, but I can't show him I'm freaking out because if I do, then he freaks out. And I'm like, and sure enough, be all like not because I'm calm, but that was a major factor. He's like, Oh, I just figured if you're sitting there not freaking out, I'm good. And his dives were fine. It's like mm-hmm. the coach like sets that standard of like how are we going to approach each challenge? And I think that's a great thing that you've learned that way earlier than I did in my career.
1: For sure. I mean, I mean, every year I'm learning something different from these athletes and adapting the way I coach because you can't keep it the same, times are changing, so you gotta keep adapting. Yep. absolutely.
0: So along that line, what do you think separates you in the coaching world? Like, what are some of your strengths? What are some of your weaknesses?
1: Um, I, I, that was a tough question when I saw that. Um, I would say my strengths is communicating at the same time can be a weakness because I feel like I overcorrect a lot of the times and try to make sure they understand. But I would say it's a strength because majority of my divers are all gymnasts. I don't come from a gymnastics background, I come from a soccer background. So I have to then now learn the gymnastics lingo, and then translate it into diving lingo. And so it's doing that research to make it make sense for them. And then coaching them individually on their strengths and their weaknesses, is I think that I do really well with the athletes that I work with. And so um, a lot of them pull on their like backs and stuff. And so it's just doing a lot of types of drills that gets rid of those types of habits
2: Mm. and then
1: it starts slowly clicking for them. Weakness, I would say, again, kind of that communication is overcoaching them is like, all right, we're working on this. Oh, oh, wait, well, let's fix this at the same time. And it's like, I get too ahead of myself where I just need to step back and be like, sorry, my bad. Let's just focus on this one thing right now. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that piece later on once we fix this component. Yeah, for sure. And do you ever, do you think, And just a quick little, I had this thought,
0: do you think your diving career has shaped your coaching career and style? And where I was at least headed with that is humble beginnings. Obviously, you know, you mentioned not being super coordinated at a young age. So, you know, the age group, the USA diving, that was never really in your picture. And then just continuing to grind and continuing to learn and continuing to want to get better. Do you still have that? while you're coaching you you want to do more for your athletes you want to continue to be the
1: best for them 100 percent, obviously like I mean if I'm just going to stay in the same place and just do the same type of coaching and say the same thing over and over like that's not going to be any good for them and so like I'm always coming home and I bring work home which I probably shouldn't do half the time <laughs> and I'm watching videos I'm watching films I'm listening to your guys's podcast I'm listening to other coaches and, and just like analyzing and all right what drill can I help get them better in this positioning oh I'm seeing this and that stuff it's it's just the athlete brought into me and just learning everything especially not being the best diver on my high school team at one point and then not being the standard at St. Cloud State and wanting to be there and seeing the names and stuff and always wanting to achieve better I think is the same translation into my coaching now.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's just taking it home and working on it. Like while you said you probably shouldn't always do that. It's hard not to in our sport. Like when you just want to see the athletes grow, Um, you know, transitioning here, you know, in what area do you think you've grown the most since the beginning of your coaching career?
1: Oh uh, gosh. I mean, I literally started coaching right after being an athlete for 22 years. And so I've never coached a day in my life. And so it's just literally every day I'm taking new things and trying to just adapt and learn all this stuff, honestly. um, let's See, I'm trying to re- re- reread that last thing. Um, oh, There you go. Okay. It's pulling up, my bad. So what have I grown? Um, I would say just like how I try to communicate and talk to each athlete because you've got to coach them differently because if I just keep saying the same thing for every single one of them, it's not going to work. Everybody's different in so many areas. And so I try to really take that and build off of that every year. And so that's probably the most growth I think I've been doing throughout my coaching.
0: Was that transition um, from being an athlete to a coach? I mean, you, you, that transition happened. I mean, one year, here you go. Mm. Was that difficult? And how did you
1: deal with being so close in
0: age to some of your athletes?
1: Yeah. hundred percent difficult because obviously like I just finished my career and then these kids are starting their career. And so it's, Finding and telling them like, hey, I just dove for four years and now I'm your coach. And they're all like, well, what are your credentials? Like, w- w- what what do you have to back it up? And it's like, yeah, I went to nationals. I know what it took to get there. But this is also what I did to get to that point. And I told them, I showed them video of how terrible of a diver I was in high school. Like the, my recruit video I send to Kayla, I think I still laugh at it. I think the song to it is here comes the boom by now. Yes, yes.
2: That's <laughs> and, awesome.
1: And it's just like, it's bad. Like I was kicking out looking. Oh, it was just terrible twisters. I did inward twisters in high school. I did inward summy full because I couldn't twist. I literally couldn't twist to save my life. And so like, I would show them how bad I was and then show them what I was able to achieve on both one meter and three meter. And they're like, okay. I, I think we can start trusting him. And then I would say things and it would start slowly clicking with them. And it's that light bulb they would see. And then I think after the end of my first year that now my senior, she's a senior. Uh, she was a freshman my first year, now is a senior. I think she was like kind of the person where she's like, okay, I believe you and I'm going to try to get everybody else to now kind of believe in to you as well. And so it took a year or two, I would say, almost for them to like really believe in me and be like, all right, is credentials show. And then with recruiting, I mean, it took a lot even more too, to be like, this is what I achieved. I know I'm super new, but like this is where the program is going to be heading and wanted to be heading. It's just, do you believe? And as soon as they bought in like more and more did, and it just kind of helped grow that program in a way. That's awesome. And
0: I don't know (laughs) if you know this Hanos, but, uh, when you were diving at St. Cloud, uh, this was obviously a little while ago, but I came in and I was taking a few videos here and there of just things that I liked. And I still, to this day, use the video of your back twister on three meter because I don't know if I've seen anybody set that dive up better. I mean, so many times we see people get into the twist too early. So many times we just see a lack of patience. And every time I watch your video, I'm like, wow that's good that is so fun to see the correct timing and you know where things are and it's always at the right time so i, I just wanted to make sure that you knew i still use that video like every day
1: <laughs> i didn't even know you took a every, video i don't even know every, about it so you'll have to every
0: send it to me. every twister day it's like okay let's watch hanos because he does it right
1: <laughs> sounds and like so, we have to post that tomorrow i mean that's all because of kayla like Literally, I remember vividly my freshman year, it was like first meet and she's like, okay, you cannot do front summit full or inward summit full. Like that is not a college list. And I was like, Kayla, I literally can't twist anything else. She's like, okay, while we're learning these twisters, what else can you do? And so I shit you not like reverse dive half twist was both on three <laughs> meter and one meter was my op dive for almost a month, I would say until awesome. we broke it down, just doing so much. And then eventually now I can twist every direction, front, back, inward, reverse. And that's all because of Kayla's patience and teaching from all of that. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Um,
0: Next one on my list here. What's, I'm going to ask it two separate times. What's your favorite diving
1: memory? Oh, um, that one I would say is freshman year and senior year. Um so my freshman year uh, obviously coming in being not the best athlete on the team. Um I had to really work hard and catch up obviously from twisters reverses whatever it was. And so it's midseason and we're at lacrosse because the Rochester facility was still renovating their diving area and so it was just divers at lacrosse, swimmers were at Rochester. And we're going through and I think the first board was one meter for guys and then it was three meter. And so I'm going through the flow. I'm going one meter, right. We're competing. We hit prelims, we finish. And then all of a sudden I look over and I see Kayla crying and I'm like, what in the world's going on? Like, why is she crying? And she comes up and hugs me and I was like, what's going on? Like what in the world? Why? Like, this is not the reaction. I was (laughs) anticipating and she's bawling, and she's like, you just qualified for nationals. And I was like, cool. Sweet, what does that mean? <laughs> and she was like, That's a huge achievement. Like, you just qualified, like, all this jazz. And I'm just like, Awesome. Like, freshman year, I have no idea what diving is in college. Like, six months, like, I've only dove three months, like, in high school. And so it was a huge achievement to see that, like, Kayla's hard work paid off. And so did my hard work pay off. And so it was just one of those types of moments. And then my senior year, I mean, Same thing, qualified for nationals a few times throughout the year. And then we get to conference and honestly, I blacked out conference. I don't even remember it, but all I do remember is again, like winning one meter conference and Kayla's bawling her eyes off. And it's like one of that, like reminded me of freshman year where it's like all that hard work just paid off and it just showed. And so that's like my favorite diving memory because freshman year and senior year was like a repeat of like things just fell into place connected Cause my sophomore junior year didn't make nationals couldn't connect it because I was putting so much pressure on myself on, Oh, I made it my freshman year. I have to make it again. And like putting the pressure chasing a score instead of diving and just having fun.
0: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Really cool there. Uh, and then the other one here is from the coaching perspective, what's your favorite coaching memory so far?
1: It would have to be this last week, honestly, because seeing those girls, I mean, work their butt off all season, doing the things that they've been doing, crushing new dives, getting new dives left and right. Like I couldn't count how many new dives we've gotten on a team with seven women on the team and stuff. Um, And so to see like the moment of them going up on podium, having five girls on one meter and then six on three meter, that was like, almost made me like tear up in that moment. It was awesome to see them achieve that. Super cool.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Awesome.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. All right.
2: So before our signature questions here, as we know, February is Black History Month. Can you just talk to our listeners a little bit about your experience and how we can continue as a sport to grow from a diversity perspective? It's a pretty heavy question.
1: Yeah. No, you're good. (laughs) Um, Obviously, with that one, I mean, it's tough because ever since I've been in the sport of swim and dive, there hasn't been many people looking like me. I mean, especially for me, I went to a very white school. Like I was the only diversity on my high school team, I would say. I mean, like my mom said, I was a fly on the milk. So it was, (laughs) it was very obvious to see me coming through. And so it always like baffled me. I was like, why isn't there more people like me? I mean, the stereotype of people like black people can jump. And I was like, I mean, I can jump on the diving board, but like, (laughs) I've seen other people jump and they're doing well. And so then in the summers, I mean, I'd have some of my friends family stuff like that would jump on the diving board with me and i'm like hey like why don't you join you have the jumps you have some of the flips it's just get a coach behind you and and right now as a college coach it's super awesome to be an african-american male coaching also an african-american female i mean i don't know how rare that's in our sport is super rare i mean i don't know how many athletes and coaches get that opportunity and so i mean that is one thing that I take pride in is having a very diverse team. I mean, I have so many different backgrounds, ethnicities and cultural backgrounds on our team. And I take huge pride in that. Um, I don't know what our sport can do to grow that. I mean, obviously it's tough because winter sports, you see basketball and wrestling, and those are the main popular sports that African-Americans want to do. But I think if you start integrating a little bit more into that, high school, middle school, having that swim classes or some diving, like having diving boards and just teaching them a little bit or all that kind of, I think that would help a little bit more for sure. But um, yeah, it's a tough question. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, we'll get into our signature questions. Now we don't treat failure. Like it's a bad thing, more of an opportunity for growth. So from that perspective, what has your, what is your favorite failure or your best opportunity
1: for growth? Yeah, that one would be my sophomore junior year of college. Um, because I didn't make it to nationals. It was brutal. I think I was within tenths of points or a point off from making the the cut um to get into national or to go to um nationals. And so it was something that I had to really reflect on. I'm like, okay, what did I do my freshman year that like got me there? Because obviously I I mean I'm hearing it from athletes, parents, coaches that I'm very talented and I should be at this meet, even coaches that like aren't, that have national kids going and stuff. They're telling me this, I'm hearing it from our alumni. Like, and so then I have to really sit there, like my, going in my senior year, like what am I doing wrong? Like what is going on? And so I really reflected on my freshman year and honestly, I don't even remember a score. I don't remember fighting for scores and, oh, I, I need to get two 60 or 290, 300 like all that stuff. I don't ever remember doing that. And I was like, I did that every single day at practices. Like, I'd be like, Kayla, what would this score? And she would be like, who cares? Like that was a good dive. Like, recognize it. Mm -hmm. And so it there hasn't been a single time when Kayla would ask me, like, that's that would score this. This would score that. Like she would always ask me one question every single time is how did that feel? Mm -hmm. And so then going into my senior year, I was like, I'm gonna go off of. How did things feel on my competitions and at practices? What went right? What didn't, what can I improve the next day and try to get after that? Because this sport, we fight a score every day. Like we're always trying to get a score and stuff like that. And if we keep fighting it, that's going to be our worst enemy. And so I try to not think about that. And I try to do that with my athletes. It's like, whenever you hear your scores go underwater, do whatever, just ignore it. Because no matter what, like you're going to know when you're doing well and when you're not. And so how do we put together a six dive list overall and piece it together? And it's not going to be happening at one meet. It might happen at several, but it's going to eventually build into a six or 11 dive where it feels really good. And it's going to get you that score eventually.
0: That may be my favorite response I've ever heard. Um, you're exactly right. We always get wrapped up in scores. Even, even me at a lower level. Um, I'm wrapped up in all what's, what's this guy doing? Okay. Well, I wasn't there. I don't know how he dove or what's my kid doing here. Well, he didn't dive that well on these two dives. Well, that's what matters. It's diving well and setting the kids up for success and the scores will just naturally come. So to hear that that has been almost like fully embraced, not only by you, but your whole team, that is what I think right now is why you guys are so, dominant and so good is the scores don't matter and it's let's figure out how we can dive well that's amazing yeah thank you that's awesome um my next one here what can the NCAA within diving do
1: to improve um I think they need to recognize the coaches a little bit more I mean us coaches we work our butt off all season and stuff and just kind of recognizing us a little bit more on what we do achievements wise obviously at the end of the year there's always that dive coach of the year and stuff but like you know how at swim meets there's like first year of the meet or all that kind of stuff like maybe recognize those first year coaches like Mm. what they're doing with their program and stuff and and a little bit more support also from the NCAA of like you know coaches get burnt out like if you see it like especially in our D2 like the the amount of like coaches that have been retiring or just turning over it's it's crazy and so I don't think there's much support on the NCAA on burnout like you know I mean obviously they tell you like don't bring work home don't do this but like there could be other things that I think they could do a little bit better on helping coaches because they're always helping the athletes on their mental health and their awareness and stuff but what what about coaches like are we just supposed to fend for ourselves and in that way but I mean, right. that's kind of something that I've thought about a lot the last couple of years. Like I put my heart and soul in it. And I know that sometimes I give a little bit too much than the athletes give me. But I mean, it's obviously I'm finding that balance better now. But at the same time, it would have been nice to have, you know, like an NCAA, like big bro, little bro kind of thing, yeah. something like that, where they're like, hey, this is like cool. the tough time that I went through or something. Yeah.
0: And, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Hanos. We had Ben Moldoff on the podcast, I think most recently. And uh, he meant, he kind of flipped this NCAA diving, you know, what can, what can they do to improve? He flipped it back on us. He says, why don't we take a little more ownership and flip it on us as coaches? Well, what can we do to improve? You know, if, if the, if the governing bodies are not doing a certain thing, well, what can we do to, you know, help out? So, You know, if if you're willing to answer that question, what can the coaches do to improve as well?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, big thing first, like obviously go to your athletes, right? Listen to them, like talk to them. Literally, I've done this multiple times throughout the year where we're not going to practice. We're going to have a meeting instead for this two hours and just talk and figure out what what's going on. Like, why are we in this little hump or slump or whatever it is? And then. Figuring out like what's going on with them and why they might be frustrated at diving or what they're frustrated with me and stuff, and just going with that kind of communication and just listening to them, taking that feedback, and then also explaining like some of the NCAA rules and why it's going about this way. But then, same as us coaches, I think we need to sit down and just literally listen to each other, talk to each other, and support each other, right? Because we all know we've been doing this for x amount of years or even the newcomers that come in and stuff and we just want to be heard and just kind of most of the times it's the same thing and so kind of coming together and be like how can we fix that slowly but surely sure
2: so uh now switching over these questions here hannah is what is your favorite drill to do with your athletes
1: uh throw pops for twisters i love correcting twisters because i sucked at twisting and so it's any direction in every direction. You'll do front, back, and reverse throw pops. Um, basically, for fronts, you'll go to the end of the board, you'll put it at your normal setting, and you'll do a front summy full or front summy straight. And then um, eventually, once you've learned how much pop you need to give, how less, or whatever it needs to be, getting your arms in the right um, area, and then eventually adding it, a front summy full. And then a front summy dub twister, whatever kind of twisters you're working on. Same thing with reverse, really working on the positioning, the wait time on the board. Um, And then same with back, really getting that set in the wrap and getting that same timing. Um, And so that's why I think that back twister that you referenced, Aaron, is that way. Because I would do drills, like every time I would do any twister, I'd always do a pop. Because I want to really set that up, get that feeling before I would get the timing of the wrap.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Best advice given and or received.
1: Um, This would have to go back to my high school years when I was brought back onto the team, my freshman year from my senior, his name is Kyle Winkleman. Great guy. He has uh, been a like amazing dude to me when I was going through high school. And he, it was my reverses era when I sucked at them and I was smacking left, right. And I was like, I want to give up. And he's like, Hey, there, there's two outcomes to this, right? There's, a you you go up and you do it and you fail but you learn from it or b you go up you be successful and you still learn from it and i was like that's only one outcome he's like no (laughs) there's two because either way you still learn from it yeah by failing or succeeding and so i was like oh so that's why after then i was like i'm going to take that into consideration and literally after then i was like okay so anybody would be like, oh, do a front triple. All right, bet. Let me do it. Because I'm either, I'm either going to fail and learn from it or I'm going to succeed and still learn from it. And so like when I got to my freshman year of college, David and Scott, they they were captain's practices, they called it. And they would be like, ah, oh, do front one and a half, tuck off three meter. I have no three meter experience. Okay, I'll do it, whatever. I come out at a summy flat on my back. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna go up and again, I'm gonna do it again because I know I can do this. Went up again, one oh. went, went in a little bit short, but I learned from it. And so nice. it's like same thing with when you're doing bigger dives. Reverse two and a half pike up on three, right? I smacked so many times flat on my back. And then I was like, okay, I've watched the film, I'm learning from this. And then eventually I learned how to like get it vertical. So it's it's only two ways of learning it from failure or from succeeding. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's great. Um, who would you like to hear us interview
1: next? Um, I mean, Kayla Dieters from St. Cloud State. I mean, she taught me everything. She's done amazing with the coaching there and building up the Huskies there. Um, And then just another person that I've been following that's super cool is Manny down at Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, he, I got the opportunity one year for a summer to get coached by him at the U of M Dad camp. And all I remember is wow, there's another brother here. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is like this is rare. Like, I've never competed or seen anybody. And so, like, following him through then and, like, seeing him at Texas and seeing his posts and what he does. And, like, I, I learned from him a lot of the times on how to throw belts. Like, I literally, we have a belt system on Tramp. And I watched his videos and I was like, okay, the, I, I think I got the timing and to throw the girls. And so I think it would be interesting to hear his point of view on some things. I mean, just because another kind of diversity thing, um, Mm -hmm. he's African-American. He had a successful career at the U of M and is doing amazing things down at Texas. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a good one. Um, and then last question for you is what question aren't we asking that we should be?
1: Um, shoot, that's tough. I think you guys are doing an amazing job, honestly. Like, um, Rooney, i I'd known that you were going to do this podcast when you told me early on before the first episode and I was, Supporting you and everything. Um, and I think you guys are doing awesome. everybody that you're bringing on. Questions are great. Um, maybe a little bit of like to ask um non-diverse coaches like what they do to to bring diversity? Oh, there you oh, go,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: because I mean, obviously it's awesome that you're asking me as an African American, but what about a traditional? white coach or yep or even an asian coach like kind of stuff like that like what are they doing to empower diversity on their team and yeah stuff like that? because yeah. i mean as a community there's so many different backgrounds on it and so to hear other perspectives would be awesome
2: yeah that's a great yeah. point yeah that's a great idea um before before um i say goodbye i just wanted to aaron i had to tell you this story i saved it for the podcast today um i was talking to a young man from down in Georgia. And he listens to the podcast. And I said, do you think the podcast has helped you? And he goes, yeah, I have an entire notebook full of notes from episode. I think he said from 15 to 91. And I'm like, that is awesome." So uh, just I just had that was a cool story I had that I had to share on here. That young man will know who it is. And hopefully he'll be excited. We mentioned it. Um, Hanos, super awesome getting to talk to you. Like I said, I always enjoy whenever I text you and just say, hope you're doing well. I'm really excited to see you here in about a month, really excited to see, and just happy for you that all that hard work's paying off and your girls are diving. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing you in a month and keep up all the great work.
1: Thanks man. See you in a month. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you're out there uh, listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod. Our Gmail is the diving pod at gmail.com again, t-shirts and hoodies and much more, many more hats, many more hoodies, youth stuff, at that uh, updated online store, divingpod.itemorder.com. Enter divepod at checkout. That gets free shipping. Uh, thank you to Hanos, my good friend. He and I have spent quite a bit of time together. Uh, not as much recently as he's coaching, I'm coaching. Hopefully we can get you up here for a, a nice boat ride, a nice, uh, you know, fun weekend in the summertime. I think we're overdue for that one, so. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, we'll see you next time.